We're in week four of Discipleship. I have to enunciate that well. Week four of Discipleship. And we're living into the future story of PPC, and we've been looking at key words. The first week, we talked about being a flourishing church, and Alfredo unpacked that for us. The second week, we talked about this word vibrant, and vibrancy is a word that actually only happens when uh, there's violence done to, here we go again, a string, thank you. A violence that is done to a string, and it vibrates, but that vibration makes, makes a lovely sound. And we're called to be people who are vibrant. When there's, when there's stress put on the string, we make a lovely sound, an alternative sound in the world that is a salve for the violence and the chaos that we see. And last week we talked about being an energized church versus an energetic church that just does stuff. An energized church is energized by the Holy Spirit of God with Christ at the center. Today we want to talk about a, a fourth word. The fourth word is collaboration. And extend that a little bit to collaboration with the community. What does it mean to collaborate with the community as our future story talks about and as we're trying to dig deeper and uh, drive the tent pegs of the foundation of our life together deeper into our future story. So what does it mean to collaborate more faithfully and well with the community? So flourish, vibrant, energized, and collaboration with the community. Over the last two days, uh, 50 of us gathered here for a leadership event leadership development at PPC, and actually it's been a, a busy couple of weeks. Two weeks ago we held a speaker training event here with SCORE, and then a week later we held our leadership development event here at PPC. So on Friday night and Saturday, 50 of us, many of you in this room today, unless there are some that are so worn out they just decided to uh, let their body catch up to their soul in bed this morning, which may be an option. But 50 of us gathered together to talk about life and faith and ministry into this next year and chat about what disciple shift can look like over the course of the next year. Friday night we talked about some things. I want to share some highlights with you because uh, there were so many great ideas that were generated. We talked Friday night about issues and things that we wanted to preserve, things that we wanted to avoid, and things that we wanted to achieve. And we discovered together that we wanted to preserve the traditions of the past in a few significant, powerful, and powerful ways. We want to preserve the desire to love our neighbors. Hmm. To love the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the next generation as they emerge. And that was so profoundly resonated with in our group that we had three check marks next to it. So I'm giving you, giving you these in the order of the check marks. We also said that we want our worship to be meaningful and joyful. Two check marks, two of them. And uh, Lynn and Chris delighted us. Uh, and I'm still smiling about this, gentlemen. They delighted us. They wrote a song called Love Is and taught, uh, oh, released the song, rolled it out the first time, and then we sang that song with them. Next week, we're going to, we're going to roll it out to you as the congregation. So very, very special. They wrote a song called Love Is, and it's a song based on our vision statement, which is 
loving people to life in a way that's relational and relevant and bold. They did a great job. Come back and hear more about that. Two check marks on worship that's meaningful and joyful. And the third thing that we want to preserve is partnerships with the community. Being generous with our time and our talents and our resources. Being able to welcome all others. Uh, no matter who they are, no matter whether they can sing or not sing, doesn't matter who they are, they're welcome here. And all of those got one check. Chink. Or one chink mark, I don't know. One check. We also talked about things that we wanted to avoid, and it was a really long list, slightly daunting if I must say so myself, but I boiled it down to one humble opinion, to beware of losing sight of the main thing. Somebody may have even said that. Keeping the main thing the main thing. Don't lose sight of the main thing. That could be the theme for all that we want to try to avoid. And yet, we live in a world of distractions, eh? My Minnesotan coming out now, eh? We live in a world of distractions, eh? It's actually Canadian, but we're pretty close to the border, so we tended to adopt that kind of semantic, didn't we, Jason? I speak Canadian, I guess, I don't know. Minnesotan. But it's easy to get distracted from the main thing. I mean, we're human beings, and, and Jim did a wonderful job of helping us to unpack that. And I'm reminded of a story that, of a couple that was significantly distracted. There was a couple that was having a party at their home on one Friday night at their house. And an hour before the party, uh, the wife discovered that she still needed escargot which is an ingredient that is, in, entails snails, and she needed this ingredient for, to make something for the party. So she did what every uh, panicked housewife might do, send her husband to the store so that he would get back quickly with the snails. So he got in his car. It was a beautiful Southern California day, probably like this. Now, this would never happen in my house. But as he was headed to the store, he noticed on his right a golf course. And he decided, you know what, I can get to the golf course, hit a bucket of balls, go to the shopping center, get the snails, be home in time before the party starts. Bam. Win-win. So he drove into the parking lot, pulled his golf clubs out of his car, bought the, bought the bucket, bought the medium-sized bucket of golf balls. Walked out on the range. Things weren't working for him that well that day. And when he finished his bucket, he decided he'd lost track of time. There were some extra golf balls from somebody else that had left a few. He went over there and started hitting. And before it was too long, he realized the party's already started. I got to go. I got to jet. Threw his clubs back into the trunk of his car. Ran to the store. Picked up the snails. Flew into the parking lot. Shuffled to the back door by the kitchen, looked in to make sure his wife wasn't in there. She was not. Coast was clear. Opened the door. Started to walk in. Stumbled on the threshold. Fell onto the ground and the snails went everywhere. <laughs> his wife heard the sound of crash. Ran in with an unhappy look on her face. And without batting or blinking an eye, the husband said this, Come on, guys. Come on, guys. We're almost there. Let's go. Taking so picking long. I thought that was the greatest story ever. 
See, the problem with being distracted from the main thing, it's common to all of us, right? We're humans. It just happens. It's especially acute the older you get at my age as well. It's not a big deal if you're cleaning your desk and you end up reading a book. But it's critical in the life of a church to keep the main thing the main thing and to beware of significant distractions. So what is the main thing? And how do you keep the main thing the main thing in the life of a church without being distracted? Because there's a lot to distract us over in 2018. Over the last 20 years, there's been a fairly significant shift in the way we think about uh, engaging the community in and with Christ. And I've listed a few of those for you in your worship folder. You can take a look at them. Uh, but in my lifetime, in the last 20 years, there's, there's a powerful movement to move away from collaboration being only in rural poor communities to also including urban communities. There's been a movement away from the west to the rest of the world to just stepping out across the parking lot and across the street. There's been a move away from just being a granting group that sends money to places to actually being a part of the mutuality of the solving of the problem with the local folks, the indigenous people. There's been a movement from what percentage of our budget is being spent on mission to how many lives are being involved in this redevelopment project. A movement from imperialism to mutuality. A movement from we'll do this for you to let's do this together. A movement from the powerful with the money give to the needy to let's level the playing field, have a conversation, and see what it means for all of us to be mutually transformed and empowered. There's a move from program-focused to people-centered, and if you read your Bibles, you notice that all of life and the trajectory of history starts in a garden and ends in a city. So there's been a change in the way we do the main thing and in the way we keep the main thing, the main thing. But I'm still left with this question, friends, for us this morning. What is the main thing? I'd like today to perform a wedding. I'd like to perform a wedding between two passages of Scripture that we each in and of themselves know significantly well. But I'd like to suggest that we bring them together because that's what collaboration with the community actually means. Does that make sense? So we're going to take a look at two short texts. Uh, Jesus says this, or he's asked this question, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Matthew 22. Jesus replies, here we go. Here's the first person in our wedding. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the greatest commandment, loving God and loving neighbor, is the first, perhaps it's the bride of our wedding, and what it means to collaborate with the community. Perhaps the groom, for our fun little metaphor here, 
uh, is a text that we know well, and it's Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You see, in this move, in what it means to keep the main thing, the mission of the church, the main thing, there's a wedding of the greatest commandment and the great commission. Those two come together to form one, and it's a movement from simply being relief work to relief work, rehabilitation, and community development. Relief work is okay for a time, but sooner than later, when we have food and water, we've got to begin to rebuild the infrastructure. And then when the infrastructure is rebuilt, we've got to mutually transform all of our communities by a level playing field that we all do together. So anytime I use the word mission, I know some of us get a little weirded out about that, missional church, it's this notion of bringing together in a wedding ceremony the greatest commandment and the great commission in such a way that there is collaboration in and with the community right across the street. I think we can do this, but it's going to take some shift in our minds in the way we approach this. I, I really think, PPC, we can, we can collaborate with the neighborhood if we follow these four schemas. You know what a schema is? Plan, model, framework, context, values. And there's more than four, but let's just start with four. Schema number one in collaborating with the neighborhood goes like this. We listen to the other person's story. We listen to the other person's story. We don't go into a meeting and tell them right off the bat what they need. We, we start simpler, smaller. We level the playing field. We develop relationship enough so that we can enter into a room together and the agenda is no agenda. Tell me your story. What if we all stopped talking and just listened? Hmm. I was thoroughly blessed this morning, as I hope many of you were when Mindy talked about Joshua going to school. And then my mind races in a million directions because I'm weird that way and I'm wired that way. I, as that story was unfolding, because I love Joshua so much, I began to imagine his anxiety at going to school for the first day. And I began to imagine what it would be like for him with life-threatening allergies to go to school and to try to navigate new friends because last time I checked, kids can be kind of mean to each other. I mean, right out of the gate, those kids don't know that he's got life-threatening food allergies. Right out of the gate, he's going to be different Right out of the gate, there's some serious anxiety. 
for parents too, so <laughs> sorry to raise your level of anxiety, right? But do you notice what happened when Joshua told us his story? And we heard it and we knew it? Our whole world changes immediately. The way we approach Joshua will never ever be the same. Why? We simply knew his story. We didn't go right in to tell Joshua what he needs to do to succeed the first day. We didn't get that far. All we did was listen to Joshua's story and the posture in which I engage with Joshua now as a human being will never ever be the same. It'll be softer. It'll be from compassion. It'll be from a paraclete come alongside. That's collaboration with the community. We have to listen to each other's stories. And man, is that, isn't that hard to do? Because we just want to come in and we want to say, we got to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, X, Y, Z. That's what we got to do. Oh, whoa. If you look at the life and times of Jesus, Jesus just would walk in and ask people to tell me your story. Meet a woman at the well, hey, why are you here? In other words, hey, what's your story? And he teased the story out. He just asked great questions. I'm impressed with Joshua's courage. And parents that are going to walk with him. And churches that are going to learn from it. I don't know if many of you know this, um, but I have, a, uh, I have fibromyalgia syndrome. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, that's, that's me. So... Um, and I'm reminded of this all the time, so I, I really resonated when Joshua asked Mindy, why am I made this way? Because I watch TV, and I'm always bombarded on TV by these commercials. I'm never quite ready with it. Usually it comes on when I hurt, which is, that's fibromyalgia, right? <laughs> so it, the commercial comes on, and she's got pain, and the late, it's, by the way, it's typically a women's disease, so if you're wondering, yes, I am a woman trapped in a man's body, apparently. <laughs> you know, there's no rumors anymore. You can just, I'll say it. It's all cool. It's just part of, why am I made this? I, I don't know. It's just the way it is, right? I mean, and that's the thing about fibromyalgia. Hey, what's wrong with Wilson? He looks great, but, you know, he looks fine on the outside, but the commercials, you know, they show it, right? And that's kind of what it feels like. And I'm like, oh, man, I just, I just hurts. It just, uh, it hurts. It kind of gets me down and bums me out, sometimes depression. Uh, but that's my deal. That's my story. Are you going to interact differently with me now? <laughs> Maybe. Margot might. So, you know, the power of telling stories and, and listening to the stories. You know, we live in a world of tweets, right? And likes. And, and we've all got our... We're just... Here's my opinion, here's my opinion, here's my opinion. Whoa, 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 back off, Jack, Jill, and just listen to the stories. That's the beginning place of collaboration with the community. I'm going to go a little quicker. Uh, the second schema in collaboration with the community is that we, we seek mutual transformation. We seek mutual transformation. Best conversations are the ones when 
the playing field's level and there are diversity of voices and, more importantly, opinions, and we listen to one another openly and honestly and we allow Jesus Christ to mediate the conversation and the Holy Spirit to stand right in the center of difficult conversations. And the ultimate outcome and goal is that when we leave, we all are changed and different. And this is important in collaboration with the community because all too often, one party enters into the discussion from a position or place of power and the other is down, one down. But in mutuality and mutual transformation, we work very, very hard as we start and listen to stories to keep the playing field level so that when we leave, we're all changed. Third schema. We empower folks for dignified change. This is kind of, I think I can tell you, this is kind of funny. I saw this on, uh, this last week on social media. Uh, it took our bride, uh, the greatest commandment, and re rewrote it to something like this. Tweet about others as you would like others to tweet about you. Yeah. Dignified change. And of course there are more, but I'm going to finish this morning with work for self-sustainability. This is the move from simply giving things to people. I got it. Santa Claus showed up. We got the goods. You're good to go. That's relief work. Relief work is important, but it's a beginning step. The more powerful and profound place to find ourselves when we collaborate with the community <laughs> is change that is sustainable. And the community themselves did that change. Uh, Friday night, I was at a table with Denise. There you are. Hi, Denise. And she was telling stories of George Key. George Key is uh, one of the if I remember the story right, George Key was one of the founding members of this church and the last founding member to pass on. Did I hear that right? Did I hear that right? Okay. So uh, I don't know when George Key passed on, but we still have a building with his name on it, Key Center, which is about 2 o'clock from here. And uh, I, I was fascinated by hearing stories about George Key. This church was planted because folks got tired of going from placentia to uh, first press over in Fullerton, which is probably about nine miles away from right about here. Maybe a little less. I think it's nine miles from my house, so probably a little bit less. Um, and George, the, as the story goes, or at least as I heard it, one day that there was, there was a big flood and George, George was going to go to church, even though it was a flood plain. Somehow he had a, a boat and he boated himself which I'm still trying to picture that in my mind. He got himself to church from Placentia to Fullerton through the floodplains on a rowboat, I think. If it wasn't a rowboat, let's keep it a rowboat because it's a better story. <laughs> okay? That's dedication. That's determination. And then he realized, you know what? We don't need to go that far away to have a church. Let's, let's plant a church right here in Placentia and do that. That story rocks. That's our historical DNA. 
a missional outpost right here that is that future-driven in what it wants to accomplish. Now, the other story that I heard about George Key endeared me to him even more. I just like the tenacity of the, of the boat story through the floodplains. But what endeared me to George Key even more than that was, George Key was an evangelist. George Key looked around, and if there was anyone new or younger than he, he would develop relationships with them, listen to their story, seek mutual transformation, try to empower them with dignity because those younger families were the ones that were going to carry the legacy of the church forward, not him. And so Denise told me a great story. Can I tell it? I'm going to. Um, she said when she was pregnant with both Jaylene and Tamara, uh, George invited them to his house for dinner. He, lived out, he was living out community collaboration. To listen to their story, to seek mutual transformation, to seek to empower and transfer all of the good of the past into the next generation so that it would be self-sustainable, this PPC thing would. I'm endeared to him for those reasons. And I'm sure there are even more stories that are stronger. George Key was not distracted. His vision for the future was greater than his memory of the past. He is a person that we could all stand to emulate just a little bit more. Jim told us over the weekend as uh, the speaker that a healthy church is one whose vision of the future is greater than the memories of its past. The vision of the future is greater than the memories of the past. If that is true, we are a healthy church. If that is not true, we have work to do. Holy Spirit of God, have mercy on us. Now that doesn't mean that you don't honor the past, but I know that if I get in my car and I want to successfully drive from my house to church, or anywhere for that matter, the best way for me to successfully do that is to look in the rearview mirror the whole way, Absolutely not. My best shot at getting from point A to point B is to look through the window shield. Is that the right word? What's it called? Yeah, the windshield. I'm telling you, you guys, it's been a really long two weeks. You just got to take my word for that. I'm fibroed up. It's bad. Oh, yeah, I have windshield in my notes. <laughs> so this, this collaboration with the community uh, is, a, is, is a powerful core value that we, that we have to live into, I believe. Powerful, powerful core value that we live into. The vision of the future has to be stronger than the memories of the past or we're not healthy. In fact, we honor the past most faithfully and well when we continue to carry the future vision forward. So I ask you today, I'm going to leave you with a question. Will you envision with us a future where all people flourish in Christ? 
where we're a vibrant and alive in Jesus Christ kind of community, where we're energized by the future because that's the best way to honor the past. And as we collaborate with the community in the ways that I've articulated today, will you, will you envision us as that kind of church? Will you do that? If you need some time to think about it, that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with creating space for people to ponder what that really means. That's part of mutual transformation. Right? You got early adopters, you got middle adopters, you got late adopters, you got sometimes to never adopters. That's just part of what it means to be church together. So we can create some space. Um, but we are a church that collaborates with the community. We will listen to each other's story. We will seek mutual transformation. We will work to empower people so that there is dignity in that change. And self-sustainability is the ultimate goal in community development. The community owns its work. The community owns its results. Not the great white hope with his bag of tricks that rolls into town and delivers the goods. Let's pray. Well, as usual, your scriptures, when imagined together in different and profound ways, well, they disrupt our own imaginations. And yet, Holy Spirit of God, you're in the center of those conversations. With sincere and humble honesty, I ask that we would all listen better. I ask that we would work towards mutual transformation in all things. That dignity would be a core value that is utilized in empowerment. So that all lives would be changed for the sustainable, foreseeable future. May it be so. God help us all. Amen. Okay. Right. So you today, this is what you did to me. Yes. And to pro probably to us. You expanded our understanding of what, it mean, what does it mean to be in collaboration with the community. Actually, we are expanded because we are in collaboration with the communities. Well, so those two key words that you one of them you didn't use um, as much, but I really appreciate that you are enlarging hmm. my vision and my understanding of what it means to be in collaboration with the community, number one. Number two, yes, I will take, I will take, more in, consider I will take in consideration that you are a healthy man. Is what you said? I don't know what I said. <laughs> because you said that the memories of the past 
meaning having fibro something? Yeah. What is it called? Fibromyalgia syndrome. Yeah. That's, that's a lot for a That's a lot for a Spanish speaking like me. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's just, so that How do you say fibromyalgia in Espanol? Something like that. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a medical term, so it might literally be the same word. Yeah, by the way, you're taking my 20 seconds. No, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, 10 seconds now. So yeah, your the memories of your past and yeah. our past are smaller than the, the vision of the future, right? Yeah. So God willing, we will continue to move forward, but we will take that in consideration for sure. And the last, the last part of my reaction to you, yeah. something that really captured my imagination for sure. Uh, distractions, well, you didn't say it like that, but I listened it, I heard it that way. Distraction happens all the time and are there waiting for you, or is there waiting for you, for you for us. So you just need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And then your question, which is kind of interesting because you're kind of moving back and forward with that question, which is, what is the main question? Or the main thing, not the main question, the main thing. Then I think, I just keep that question before you to, uh, in, in, during 2018. I also heard that, did I hear, hear that clearly? You, it looks like you heard a lot of things, actually. And, <laughs> So anyways, you know, you know what is the, um, the two more questions, the other two questions that I normally ask myself? You say you want to hear more about my story, right? You ready? So I can't say no now. Number one, uh, they asked me this question. What do you do for a living? Can you hear that? What do you, what do, you do for a living? I don't know why you ask that question, but... People ask that question all the time. I, sometimes I, I, this is what my answer is. I say, I work with Tony Wilson. Hmm. Is, that, is that fair? Well, yeah, but I don't know how wise that is. <laughs> I mean, and the third question and last question yeah. of the day for me that I normally ask is, what brought you here? Hmm. And the first time that somebody asked me that question, by the way, what brought you here? I didn't know if the person was, unha was unhappy that I was there. Remember, I'm learning English all the time. So what brought you here? I thought, well, I don't know what to say because I'm here for whatever the reason. So the person was basically meaning or meant to say, what brought you to the United States? Uh, so three, three reasons brought me here, but I only give one. You know what that is? My time is over, so. <laughs> you can't do it. God brought you here? How's the no, 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 no. See, because he is, Americans know how to ask good questions. And you, we know, you know how to really ask for the story. You were talking about the importance of ask, uh, listening to the story. Those questions are really important. And when you say, what brought you here? Be ready, because somebody like me or any other who came from the outside of the United States will give you an hour or more of a story. So if you really want that, Please, don't ask that, ask that question. If you don't, don't ask that question. <laughs> Who, what brought me here? Yeah, I'll tell you what brought me here. In part, yeah. what brought me here, and I'm not trying to be churchy, by the way. Okay. You know what churchy is? I certainly do. Okay. I certainly do. Churchy, no. Yeah, I don't want to be churchy, but part of what brought me here, honestly, I believe now, was you. Oh. Thank you. And you.
Tobin Wilson, thank you. Thanks, man.